Shall we begin? This episode of No Accounting for Taste is sponsored by Intuit QuickBooks. It's great to have such a well-established and thought-leading sponsor on board for the podcast. Just like we deliver everything you need from accounting news, QuickBooks has everything you need for your accounting software. For more information, go to quickbooks.intuit.com forward slash accountants. Enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome to No Accounting for Taste, the podcast for accountants from accountingweb.co.uk. I'm Tom Herbert, editor of the site. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, This week we're going to be talking about how to make partner, proposals from the Labour Party conference and the Making Tax Digital Communication Strategy, all in the capable hands of our expert panel. So joining us today, Richard Hattersley, our practice correspondent. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. Uh, Francois Badenhorst, our business editor. Hello, everyone. And joining us for her pod debut is Katie Bladen, director of BDHC, a two-office firm from across the bridge in Wales. Hi, Katie. Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, so this is podcast number 23. While I was researching the podcast, I had no idea that 23 was such an auspicious number. Um, there's even a group of people who subscribe to the mystical power of 23, a group calling themselves the 2030ians, who see it in multiple combinations throughout daily life. So it's obviously um, a prime number, um, the lowest prime number that consists of consecutive digits. Each parent contributes 23 chromosomes to the start of human life, and apparently the average human physical biorhythm is 23 days. Um, onto a slightly shakier ground, the Bible scholars believe Adam and Eve had 23 daughters, while the, the Roman Roman himself, Julius Caesar, was allegedly stabbed 23 times. Um, John's, no. <laughs> John, I'm a bit worried that I'm sat beside you now, Tom. Get <laughs> <laughs> too dumb. Uh, John Forbes Nash, the, the economist who was the subject of a Russell Crowe vehicle, A Beautiful Mind, was obsessed with the number 23, as was author William Burroughs, um, who is the first person apparently to believe in the 23 enigma. So that's a superstitious belief in the significance of the number 23. So there you go, big, big number. Um, we're recording on the 26th of September, which is apparently the most popular day of the year on which to be born. So happy birthday mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're there. According to the ONS, an average of 1,800 babies are born every day in England and Wales, but 26th of September sees that spike to an average of 1,999, uh, with New Zealand and the USA also have a, a similar birth pattern. Um, I'll leave it up to our audience to um, figure out... Um, <laughs> why that is the Happy case. New Year, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Cold outside. Uh, yeah, so 2006, uh, the 26th of September 2006, uh, Facebook was opened to everyone at least 13 years or older with a valid email address. And uh, 1960 was the first televised presidential debate between Richard Nixon and John F. Kennedy. It's in Chicago. And 2016, on this date was the first TV debate between Hillary Clinton and uh, Donald Trump. That seems longer than two years ago. Yeah, it? I wouldn't really call it a debate. Would it? It's, it's more like an organised yelling match. <laughs> what about those guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Trump did anything big after that. Don't, you don't hear about it much. Uh. Yeah. Um, so, from, uh, from the ridiculous to the sublime, top stories on the site this week. Uh, number three, the Accounting Excellence Awards. So, we revealed the winners at a 
gala ceremony um, on Thursday. A uh, little bit about a little bit more about that later. Um, the the second most read on the site this week was the HMRC letter warning um, businesses of a no deal Brexit fallout. Fran, this was one of yours. Yeah, um, it was just uh, it's a strange enough letter in terms of if you actually read the the contents of it. It's sort of like it's definitely not going to happen. But here's what's going to happen if it happens, which is not going to happen. Um, it's yeah, it's a very sort of like immediate, I uh, so shallow analysis of what's 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 cooking. Basically, what's going to happen at 11:01 p.m. on the 29th of March once we if we so exit without a deal. It's some um, yeah remarkable verbal gymnastics mm. they pulled off from there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess something that uh, they felt had to be done and uh, staying on. HMRC Communications, the, the most read story on the site by a country mile was, um, I can sum up my article in, in, in a sentence really, HMRC sent a tweet. Um, so uh, this was about the uh, the start of their making tax digital communications plan, so rolling out um, uh, knowledge about the, the, the digital taxation um, regime that's going to come in. I had no idea that the HMRC tweets until until that story. So um, I'm, I am sort of like eagerly anticipating mm. the inevitable social media blunder when like some intern or something like likes a likes a like a like a pornographic video or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness, yeah, no. Um, let's let's hope not. Um, but yeah, this this was the um, the tweet uh, letting people know. It also linked to a web page. Contained no no new information, but. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully more available soon. Um, we had a, a vast number of comments on the piece. Um, sort of uh, interesting mood music. You know, certainly there are a few people sort of saying, "Well, why are you starting off tweeting um, when the majority of people who are on paper-based records are I'm not going to see your tweets because <laughs> I don't know them." <laughs> no, um, Katie, have, have you started telling your clients about making tax digital? Yeah, we've um, we've started to, to you know mention it to them and we've been sending emails and some letters to the ones that you know have not got online access at mm. the moment. Um, so yeah, a bit of a mixed bag in terms of feedback, but sure, <laughs> sure, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, how long has your practice been preparing? Um, probably about eighteen months properly. Mm. Um, you know, we were aware of it before then, but yeah, sort of last eighteen months we've started to. Mm. put some plans in place um, yeah yeah what, what sorts of things have you been doing just I mean mainly looking at the options which mm. you know the cloud different types of cloud software and and anything else because obviously you know not everybody's going to want to want to do that so sure yeah. and I guess um, is, is the sort of news filtering out that, that various people are getting their act together with bridging software is that sort of good um, news no news or? from my point of view not much news mm. um we're aware that bridging software will be available at some point, but what it is and you know how it's going to work, we're not quite sure at the and moment. And how much it costs. And how much it costs as well. So yeah, and, yeah. Know, I did see one, but it was still linking with an online cloud software. So mm. you still have to have both packages for it to work, which seemed a bit pointless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, we will be having a webcast about bridging software in October, so uh, keep keep your eye out for uh, keep your eye out for that. Um, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back after the music for a long form discussion section. Mm-hmm. 
welcome back to No Accounting for Taste. And uh, yeah, we'll kick off with a discussion. Uh, Katie, yours is uh, it's a really interesting story, your, your sort of journey to uh, director uh, slash partner. Yeah. Um, you, you tell us how you joined your firm. Um, well, I started a long time ago now. I did work experience uh, when I was in school. So I, I sort of knew, well, I thought I wanted to be an accountant, um, but I better go and see what it was about. And then pretty much, I always say that they, they couldn't get rid of me. Um, <laughs> so I stayed there whilst I was at school, you know, in the holidays, went to university, mm. came back during the holidays. Um, yeah, and then eventually started full-time after after university. So, mm. yeah, a long time ago now. Yeah, yeah you've, you've uh, taken your, is it, it, you're an ICAW? Um. Yes, yeah, ICAW, and I, I did my, um, my CTA exams as well the last few years. Um, yeah, so I've come on quite a long journey with them. Mm. Um, and it's eventually paid off. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and uh, you made the move earlier this year. How are you finding it? Yeah, not too bad at the moment. Um, a little bit more stressful than I was this time last year, but uh, it's not, it's not too bad. You know, we sort of we're aware of a lot of things that we have to do. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a case of sort of trying to trying to work things out really. So just you know, more staff issues, more a lot more admin work than, uh, mm -hmm. than I was doing, but. Sure. Uh, was it something you always aspired to, the sort of journey to partner? Yes, yeah. I think um, when I worked for an interview when I was younger, I said that I wanted to own my own firm, which probably didn't go down too well when you look into, <laughs> uh, when you look into joining the accountancy firm. But yeah, it was something I always wanted, wanted to do. So. Mm, mm. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Um, so in terms of, I mean, you've got a young family, how do you find the, the sort of work-life balance? Yeah, it's, um, it's hard. It's, you know, a lot harder, harder than it was before I had, had kids. It was a lot easier to, to put more into your work because you, you know, you could just could. You didn't have any responsibilities, nothing to get home for as such. Um, mm. But now, you know, my work has to stop at five when I leave to mm. go home. So we find yourself doing or work at odd hours of the morning, so I'm conscious of not sending emails too early to some clients, but yeah, you know, yeah. sort of draft them and leave them in the draft box. But yeah, so, and they're trying to you know juggle things, you know certain events and that type of stuff where you could just go before, and now you think, oh no, I can't go because I need to get childcare or something like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. I mean, in terms of the journey to partner, um, do you think? I mean. <laughs> The route to partners obviously different, you know, depending on which firm. But in terms of like joining a small firm, is that one of the advantages of joining a smaller firm rather than you know a sort of top one hundred or a big four? Um, oh, I think there's probably more scope um, to, to to have more responsibility in a smaller firm because mm. you do cover quite a range, or we do in any case, quite a range of different aspects of accountancy so you do get to learn a, a bit of everything yeah. um, because you are a small firm you know if you've got staff absences you you have to sometimes step up even if you're not a director so it's you sort of get more of that responsibility in any case mm. um, whether it's harder because the the principals tends to stay around a bit longer in a smaller firm perhaps yeah. you know as in the yeah. top four they're sort of swapping and changing all the time sometimes so mm. yeah it's uh, interesting yeah, and um, we've obviously run um, a fair bit on the sort of gender imbalance in, in accountancy and, uh, you know, the, 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 the sort of comparative number of partners in, in, in firms. Um, have, you, have you found it harder as a, as a woman in accountancy? No, I haven't. Um, we tend to have, you know, our office is mainly women over men, which mm. is sort of kind of counterbalances the norm. And, um, sort of reverse sexism. Yeah, yeah reverse sexism. <laughs> yeah, we don't, you know, not that we, we don't, we have just taken on a male trainee, may I add, so that's, you know, but yeah, it's sort of like the opposite, really. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. 
Okay. Great. So thank you very much, Katie. It was really, uh, really interesting. Um, Fran, you've been looking uh, looking at all things Labour this yeah. week. Um, they've been up in uh, up in Liverpool, uh, banging the uh, banging the drum there. So yeah. what's what's come out of it from a business perspective? Yeah. So there's been a, there's been quite a few things. Um, namely, I suppose one of the interesting things. And, 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 to be fair, I, I think it's not just necessarily the conference. It's it's sort of like the the the, the parade around it and the, the the different leaders in the Labour Party take the take the opportunity to to have very frank discussions with the press. Um, John McDonnell spoke to the FT and that kind of stuff. So the, there's, there's numerous things that have been leaking out on the on the fringes of the of the conference too. Mm. So one of the one of the things that is perhaps most um, most directly relevant to uh, accounting web is is John McDonnell is uh, the the shadow chancellor is very clearly a, a keen observer of the accounting profession. Um, Dickie, as you know, you, you you wrote that piece about the Hippocratic Oath, didn't you? Like I did indeed, bit. yes. It was, that went down quite, quite a storm several months ago, yeah. um, as you can imagine. Was it a negative direction? I think there was some negativity involved. I think there was... <laughs> I think it'd be safe to say that, yeah? Yeah. yeah you could say that, Fran. Hippocratic Oath? No, no Hippocratic Oath there? All right, cool. Would you take a Hippocratic Oath, Katie? Oh, don't get me involved. <laughs> because, uh, Katie, now's your time. <laughs> <laughs> Bring out the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Sweat, put your hand on the uh, should it be, Or should it be sort of financial reporting standards <laughs> handbook? Yeah, 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 Or something like that, yeah, by the almighty uh, yeah. FRC. Put your, hand on, put your hand on your calculator. Well, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um, the there's now uh, the talk about breaking up the big four is is gathering a lot of steam. Um, it's weird, I guess. It feels as if like it's gone from very very quickly from being a, a, like a fringe opinion or like a very thing that was like kind of like whispered, whatever. Like uh, whenever I first started to kind of to now being like quite a mainstream thing to say. Like to the point where um, I think everyone now accepts that it is a oligopoly. Um, even even KPMG's chairman. Yeah, KPMG's yeah. chairman. It was like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah we're oligopoly. I think we're just everyone's just disagreeing now, basically what it's what it's all about. Uh, so Prem Sikha, who's uh, who's an accounting group regular, we spoke to him for the for a story this week, and he he sp- he talked to us a little bit about he's been um, he's been commissioned by John McDonald to write a report on the accounting profession generally, not just the big four. Um, and John McDonald's has has said that he's going to wait uh, to make any final calls uh, until until he's read this report. Um, now, aside from that, uh, the other big proposal that's been making waves is the um, uh, is this uh, inclusive o- inclusive ownership fund. Uh, McDonald uh, said that workers would be given a, fin- a financial stake in their employers and more say over how companies are run so firms would have to put 1% of their funds into the uh, 1% of their shares of the fund f- every year up to a maximum of 10% so the amount of share capital available uh, to workers would be capped at 500 pounds with the rest uh, estimated at 2.1 billion a year by the end of the 5 year parliamentary term going into a fund to pay for public services and welfare so this was they they, as far as I'm aware, they wouldn't actually own them in the same way as shares. It'd be mm. more of the sort of John Lewis Waitrose mm. yeah. model where they'd get dividends yeah. Um, from that. Yeah, and I think it it, it is basically the, the sort of the classic 
socialist argument of um, McDonald is of course socialist, which is if businesses make money from a community, they should be they should put uh, money back into it, um, which is not obviously uh, a philosophy that's sh that's shared by businesses like Amazon and Google and some other businesses that maybe haven't paid. Um, who have very aggressive tax efficiency programs. Um, uh, aside from that, there is something from the for the for the Richard Murphy fans out there, uh, which I'm sure there are plenty of on the site. Um, uh, so plans to force companies to sign up to a fair tax mark uh, to demonstrate that they pay their fair share of taxes. Uh, a new international forum to deal with future economic crises. Um, there was a little bit on the high street business rates as uh, well. Yeah, high street business rates, which is basically so uh, instead of having this um, very sudden and shift and increase, where like it's every every three or four years, I think they delay it every now and then. Mm. It was like a, they were, the, a few years back they had that like that sudden jump in like um, in business rates. Uh, Labour said that they would uh, implement a policy of annual reevaluations, which would ensure that. The dramatic hike in rates we saw in recent years uh, mm. would 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 be uh, would be slightly uh, lessened. Yeah, it'd be sort of smoothed out. Yeah. Um, Katie, how are your clients? I mean, you you, you mentioned that uh, you've got you've got a sort of number of startups, and you know, um, uh, did you have a, a high street clients, and and how are they affected by sort of business rates and and, and rents and things like that? Yeah, we've got a few um, a few high street clients, and I think a lot of them were were grateful a few years ago with the small business rates relief mm. um, that came in. So I think that did help help quite a lot, but. I think a lot of them finding the the rents, you know, are, are still quite high, even even for the private landlords. It's you know, and it, and it does it doesn't help them because they, they are they do struggle to uh, try, you know. In, in Chepstow in particular, we found quite a few of the the shops have, have closed recently. Um, you know, whether that is because of rates and rents, I'm not 100 percent sure, but it uh, can't help that. It's a contributing factor, definitely. Uh, yeah. Rent rent is high. Rent is probably the number one way you can choke a local economy mm -hmm. it's uh, like it's like that one political campaign in New York City put it like in the 90s the rent is too damn high mm. <laughs> yeah it's you know, surely it's better to see some businesses on the high street paying slightly less rents because they're, they're gonna bring more to the to the high street if there's businesses there that are you know people are gonna go to so. yeah mm. fantastic thank you very much um, Dickie, we, we headed over to London on uh, Thursday in for detail. the Accounting Excellence yes. Awards. It so. was a, a rare appearance of the uh, the tuxedo, my namesake, the Dickie Bow. <laughs> I slipped it on on Thursday. It was, as I'm sure many of our listeners are, are aware, on Thursday it was the, the big Accounting Excellence Awards bash the brightest and best accounting firms across the country, uh, all convened at the uh, London Intercontinental Park Lane for the awards bash. Um, Countdown's Rachel Riley was the host, and we also had um, halftime entertainment from uh, comedian Tom Allen. But it wasn't all all about the entertainment and and all the fireworks and uh, smoke machines, but there's plenty of smoke machines there as well. It's absolutely terrified me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's like did. a Michael Jackson video. It <laughs> did, but it, it did um, silence all the, the rowdy crowd, um, getting quite <laughs> just, excited. I'm just picturing you like using a smoke machine as like some kind of way to uh, pacify a loud crowd. That was very much my role, Fran. I, I was Two there hours. as a heavy. Yeah, I was yeah. there as the uh, your crowd silence. five seconds to comply. <laughs> so T-shirt cannons. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, but it was it was an exciting event, and um, 
as always with these award events, it's, um, it's not always about the winners. Of course, it is about the winners, but it's not always about the winners. Coming up, this was um, plenty of trends, which I'm sure um, we will discuss in more length in the upcoming Accounting Excellence webcast. Um, Thank you. I'm very glad you mentioned that, Dickie. We're uh, yeah, there's a way to uh, sign up on demand. I think I think we'd have we'd have had the live webcast by the time this podcast is out, but uh, you can sign up on demand at uh, accountingexcellence.co.uk. Um, Beautiful forward slash talks, uh, where we'll be talking with. Um, Sharon Pocock, um, who was actually there on, on Thursday at the ceremony, cutting uh, a fine figure on the dance floor, uh, Grant Smith from Armstrong Watson and Damon Anderson from Zero, who uh, is going to be bringing in a few insights from their Pace Setters book. So, uh, yeah, do do sign up and watch that on demand. That was a frankly gorgeous dovetail, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Franz. Thanks, Franz. Uh, but sort of the, the key trends that, that did emerge from some of these award-winning films, and also the films which were shortlisted, uh, the main ones being Cloud. Cloud, of course, still being that, um, that big star amongst these films. As always, um, and we've got uh, referrals as well. Um, always up there with uh, sort of these the, the hardy perennial of uh, county trends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and niche, niche is, or as niche as us, as our American friends call it, and uh, and then bubbling underneath, we've got social media and content marketing as well, all being quite popular this this year. Yeah. We had a little bit of feedback on uh, the the awards announcement. Um, you know, uh, I do understand why um, people view it as a, with a slightly cynical tinge. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess awards are a good way for accounting firms not only to sort of talk about um, the the good stuff they're doing, but uh, yeah, I mean. They're a pretty good marketing tool as well. Um, I, I don't know how. Uh, do, do you do you chaps tend to enter any sort of local awards or anything like that, Katie? Mm. Well, no, we haven't done uh, haven't done in the past. I mm. think it's a lot of them. You know, when you look at the submission, it's it's just the time that yeah. it, you know it takes to, to put the submission together. So it's quite mm. Uh, mm. Uh, quite tricky. Yeah, perhaps it's something uh, something that awards. Uh, organizations could perhaps work on of, of having a sort of slightly less um, intense mm -hmm. submissions process <laughs> which yeah. is good because I mean you you enter accounting excellence by lighting a beacon of fire so that's a fact that. <laughs> that's a hundred percent fact like get to the highest point in your town <laughs> light a fire we'll we'll see it we'll find you we'll yeah. find you <laughs> yeah we should do like sort of accounting excellence beacons like that there we go. Um, yeah, on that note, I think uh, that is it for this week. Um, thank you so much to uh, to Francois, to Katie, and to Dickie. Um, thank you to QuickBooks for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you to producer Abby for uh, all her production support. And thank you for listening. Uh, for all your accountancy news, we're accountingweb.co.uk. Bye for now. Thank you to Intuit QuickBooks for sponsoring this podcast. For more information, go to quickbooks.co.uk forward slash delightful. If you like this podcast, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes or your podcast app of choice.